Hey, welcome to the Bible Savvy Podcast, a weekly conversation on how to understand, enjoy, and apply God's Word. I'm your host, Nikki Lucas, and I'm joined by Executive Pastor Eric Ferris and Teaching Pastor Clayton Keenan. We're about to jump into another passage from the Bible Savvy Reading Plan, but before we do, guys, this is the Monday after the weekend that we had the live recording on stage at St. Charles campus. I feel, I feel like that's the, a setup to do time ambiguous banter, (laughs) but it's not, it's not, we're not doing that. We're not doing that segment today. We actually are recording this after that. That's right. We really are. Welcome to all of the new listeners. We know we always pick up a lot of new listeners whenever we go live with the yeah. podcast from the stage. So welcome. welcome. Yeah, we are glad to hear. We're glad to have noises. you. If you don't understand celebratory noises, if you're a new listener, you have to go all the way back, way back. to episode number episode. one. That's right. And listen to that episode, which by the way, we weren't very good. No. No, we've gotten a lot better. Yes. Yeah. But you will understand celebratory noises if you go back and listen to episode one. Not the, not the, like the intro, what is the Bible Savvy Podcast. Like, Intro one. Episode one. Actual episode. We had no sound effects until we did our own. That's right. It was good. Yeah. So guys, uh, with with us having a bunch of new listeners, again, welcome. Thank you for listening this week. Uh, I thought about, about uh, you know, just thinking about newness in general. Have you guys been any place new lately? Yes. Yeah? So a few weeks back, several weeks back, I don't know. I, I've lost track of time. A Korean supermarket in Aurora oh, yeah. was really fun and... And I just want you to know that the Korean supermarket in Aurora has ridiculously awesome flavors of Doritos. I feel I feel gypped as an American. We are not getting the full variety of flavors that Doritos has to offer. I I never thought about the fact that there would be different Doritos flavors in different cultures because I just figured Doritos flavors are fake in every culture. Like they're not they're not real. For anybody, do they have the regular Dorito flavor? Yeah, but yeah, I'm not. All right, so my my recollection might be a little bit off, but if I'm remembering the whole section where all of the Lay's potato chips and the Doritos were in the supermarket, Mm -hmm. there was about 18 different flavors. Wow. So I kind of want to go to a Korean supermarket. Yeah. So so my my new was the there's a really cool. It's near the. What's the name of the mall in Aurora? The I forget the name of the mall. But anyway, there's a shopping center near the mall in Aurora. Uh-huh. And the entire shopping center is becoming more and more Korean-owned shops. And so kind of kind of anchoring that whole shopping center is a large Korean supermarket. Oh, cool. Nice. Very cool. How about you, Clayton? Um, I, I went on a trip up to Madison, Wisconsin, which is a, a city that you know we'll go to and visit every once in a while. But we went to a new place there. We stumbled across the the like union like the like the on the college campus there University of, of Wisconsin and it's got all of these old buildings including some old churches and things uh, and then it's on a lakefront so they had like live music and you know the ice cream shop there and we rented bikes and rode around the lake and it was it was really fantastic so it was that cool. sounds nice well as far as newness goes for me I haven't been anywhere new but I've been someplace really cool. So I was just recently at Kuiper's Family Farms out in Maple Park. And the reason why I was there is because we are getting ready uh, to plan our regathering event there uh, that's happening September 11th. And it was amazing. Regathering 2022. The don't miss event of the century. That's right. It is going to be fun. It is going to be so much fun. So we went out there and we just did a big site visit and just kind of figured out where we're going to kind of 
put everything, the stage, the signage, where everybody's going to sit, where the food's going to be, the food trucks, all that stuff. And it was just fantastic. I, I'm not involved in the planning of all of this, the, the details of things. So you, you tell me something cool that I'm going to experience when I get there. Mm, Eric, you want to shine some light on that? I feel like I should have been ready for that question. <laughs> <laughs> I think, I mean, besides the fact that the whole family farm is just loaded with activities it's and incredible. fun things to do, yeah. including the corn maze, which the Kuiper's corn maze is a big deal. Like every year, WGN does a flyover, a news story on their corn maze. This year, it is a Christ Community custom corn maze yes. with our logo. It says logo. Christ Community Whoa, Church. Like, it, like in the maze. The maze is the, shaped like... The maze itself, if you do a drone flyover, yep. is the church logo oh and the words gosh. Christ Community Church. That's awesome. Yeah, so I'm sure there'll be drone footage so- soon of that. Yep. So beyond the fact that it's just going to be a ridiculously fun day, I think it's going to be a holy moment. Hmm. I think this is going to be one of those, like we, we slugged it out for two years of a pandemic. I know we're still living in the pandemic, but uh, I think this is going to be one of those days where we say, you know what? Let's re-up. Let's seek the Lord. Let's all get together. All of us from all five campuses, uh, those of us that have been viewing online, those of us that have been on the fence, those of us that have just been church fatigued, you know, sometimes that just sets in. The reason that the Bible says don't grow weary in doing good is because sometimes we grow weary in doing good. Mm -hmm. And so I just think it's going to be a day where people are refreshed and reinvigorated uh, and get a renewed passion for the mission of Christ in the life of our church. So beyond the fact that it's going to be crazy fun to have all of us from all five locations in one place, thousands of us, I think the presence of the Lord is going to be there. And so I think it's going to be one of those moments in time where you say, were you there the day Mm -hmm. that we gathered at that place? Yeah. Yeah, it's going to be really good. That's and, cool. And two, like another exciting thing too, right, is like people can register. And so people can register today. Yeah, registration just August, this is August 1st, right? Yep. It's going yeah, to be so, regi- 1st, yeah. so registration just opens today. So yeah. you can go online and reserve your space. You have to register because the farm can only hold 7,500 of us, which mm-hmm. we are anticipating uh, we will get pretty close to, if not exceed that number. So that's why we need, that's why I need to have registrations. You can volunteer to work at the event. Yep. Uh, you can register for the event. The event is totally free, but you can also donate to cover some of the costs of the event. Uh, you can pre-order your Kuiper's donuts. Yep. What? Yeah. It's when you, true. when you register pre-order for pre-order a donut. Yeah. Or because, wow. because, well, there's thousands of us showing up. So the farm needs to know how many, how donuts, many donuts to make. Exactly. So you can, oh my gosh. so because you're going to want to show up, of course, several hours before the actual worship service, mm-hmm. uh, because thousands of us are going to be converging in one place. You can actually pre-order essentially your breakfast. Yeah. Oh, this sounds so and good. And just show up at the Kuiper store and they'll have your donuts and breakfast waiting for your family. So yeah, everything about this is just getting really exciting. That's, yeah. that's cool. Yeah, it's going to be really good. All right, Eric, what passage are we looking at today? We are in Acts chapter 21. We always start with context. So let me set this up very briefly with one tip about context and then the actual context of the passage that we're reading today. A tip about context. Don't overthink it when you're using the comma method and every day you're doing your Bible reading. If you have already read the intro to the book in a good study Bible, um, or you've watched the Bible project videos that we provide at biblesavvy.com. If you've done that work already and you've been reading through the book of Acts, obviously we're in chapter 21. So we've been reading this book of the Bible for a while. 
you already have the background information, you've been reading every day, so you're kind of following along with the story, and that's a lot of what context is. And then you have, in a good study Bible, like the study notes on the bottom half of the page, this gives you a little bit more background information. So don't overthink context when you're, when you're thinking about using the comma method. If you're doing regular Bible reading, uh, the context just kind of comes, comes with your Bible reading. So that's just a tip. Uh, now some context for where we are in the book of Acts. Paul has been going on his missionary journeys. He's visited a lot of towns and cities and God is doing remarkable things. Jews and Gentiles alike are coming to believe in Jesus, but some controversy is stirring. Not everybody loves that because not everybody is embracing the fact that anybody from any cultural background can put their faith in Jesus and be considered part of the people of God. So controversy is stirring. Now, Paul feels compelled to go back to Jerusalem, uh, but some people think that that may not be a great idea. So Acts chapter 21, we're going to read about what happens next. All right, so we're going to start in verse one, and it picks up in the middle of a scene. So you should know that he uh, has just been talking to some people in the uh, city of Ephesus that he really loves. Okay, so that's going to make sense out of the first sentence. After we had torn ourselves away from them, we put out uh, to sea and sailed straight to Kos. The next day we went to Rhodes and from there to Patera. We found a ship crossing over to Phoenicia. We went on board and set sail. After sighting Cyprus and passing to the south of it, we sailed on to Syria. We landed at Tyre where our ship was to unload cargo. We sought out the disciples there and stayed with them seven days. Through the Spirit, they urged Paul not to go on to Jerusalem. When it was time to leave, we left and continued on our way. All of them, including wives and children, accompanied us out of the city, and there on the beach we knelt to pray. After saying goodbye to each other, we went aboard the ship, and they returned home. We continued our voyage from Tyre and landed at Ptolemais, where we, where we greeted the brothers and sisters and stayed with them for a day. Leaving the next day, we reached Caesarea and stayed at the house of Philip the, the Evangelist, one of the seven. He had four unmarried daughters who prophesied. After we had been there a number of days, a prophet named Agabus came down from Judea. Coming over to us, he took Paul's belt, tied his own hands and feet with it, and said, The Holy Spirit says, In this way the Jewish leaders in Jerusalem will bind the owner of this belt and will hand him over to the Gentiles. When we heard this, we and the people were pleaded with Paul not to go up to Jerusalem. Then Paul answered, Why are you weeping and breaking my heart? I'm, not, I'm ready not only to be bound, but also to die in Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus. When he would not be dissuaded, we gave up and said, The Lord's will be done. After this, we started on our way up to Jerusalem. Some of the disciples from Caesarea accompanied us and brought us to the home of, oh my gosh, Manasseh, where they were, where we were to stay. He was a man from Cyprus and one of the early disciples. Okay, now I'm going to skip the next section because it is a description of them arriving in Jerusalem. And basically what happens is the Christians there say, a whole lot of the, the Jewish people here are really mad at you, Paul, because you've been telling people who aren't Jewish that they can become you know, followers of Jesus, and we think you're breaking the Jewish law. So there's a, like a group of people like set to say, we're going we're gonna to arrest Paul, maybe even kill Paul. Okay, So we're going to skip to verse 27. When the seven days were nearly over, that's seven days of preparation to go to the temple, some Jews from the province of Asia saw Paul at the temple. They stirred up the whole crowd and seized him, shouting, fellow Israelites, help us. This is the man who teaches everyone everywhere against our people and our law in this place. And besides, he has brought Greeks to, into the temple and defiled this holy place. They had previously seen Trophimus the Ephesian in the city with Paul and assumed that Paul had brought him into the temple. 
The whole city was aroused and the people came running from all directions. Seizing Paul, they dragged him from the temple and immediately the gates were shut. While they were trying to kill him, news reached the commander of the Roman troops that the whole city of Jerusalem was in an uproar. He at once took some officers and soldiers and ran down to the crowd. When the rioters saw saw the commander and his soldiers, they stopped beating Paul. The commander came up and arrested him and ordered him to be bound with two chains. Then he asked who he was and what he had done. Some in the crowd shouted one thing and some another. And since the commander could not get at the truth because of the uproar, he ordered that Paul be taken into the barracks. When Paul reached the steps, the violence of the mob was so great that he had to be carried by the soldiers. The crowd that followed kept shouting, get rid of him. Eliminate him. By the way, the uh, good job with pronouncing that crazy name. Oh my gosh. Manason? M-N- Oh my gosh. M-N-A-S-O-N. That name feels like it's missing a vowel. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So that's my observation. We've just moved on to the the O in the comma method, which is observation. What do you guys see in the text? You know, the first thing that I noticed, I think kind of points us back to context a little bit because there's a lot of we in this passage. um, And if we know the context of who wrote the book of Acts, it was written by Luke. And so this is like one of the very many few places that he actually puts himself in the story uh, as like a character who's on the voyage with Paul. So I thought that was kind of interesting. Yeah, you can see it shift from from we to him throughout the book. Uh, one thing that I noticed was, I mean, obviously all those names of places, right? Yeah. Like, so you, you kind of go through that and, you know, you might stumble through reading them or wonder what they are. But here, big picture, one of the things that, I find interesting. You, you can go to a map and find them. That's really interesting. But just the fact that they recorded all of those places on their journey shows that it's historical. Like if you're making up a story, you don't, you don't include all those details because you just want like su- suddenly want to make it sound realistic or something like that wasn't the way you wrote an ancient story. So the fact that they're all there is one of those signs that like there was some research, there's some eyewitnesses and it really happened. Yeah. Luke's Luke's accounts tend to be very orderly and detailed. Uh, One of the things I noticed is crowds and riot and confusion and the crowds clamoring for something and which harkens back to, it made my brain immediately think about the arrest and the trials of Jesus. You have the same, the same words, the same environment, crowds and riots and get rid of him. And the political figures trying to figure out what do I do with this guy? Cause the crowds are shouting one thing, but I don't know what this person has done. So there seems to be a lot of similarities between what's happening to Paul and what happened to Jesus. There's even, the, there's even the similarity of him going to Jerusalem. Uh, in the book of Acts, there's actually a moment where it says Jesus set his face towards Jerusalem. It's like he knew this is where my story is headed. In and the Gospels, you mean? In the Gospel, of, yeah. Gospel of Luke, yeah. right? Like, so the Gospel of Luke, which is the prequel to this. So Luke knows he's telling a story where Jesus at one point turns and says, I got to go to Jerusalem no matter what the cost. And then in the story of Jesus' fo- first followers, he highlights one of them who said, I got to go to Jerusalem no matter what the cost. And the same thing happens to him. There's a, there's a parallel there. Yeah. Yeah. It's not, it's not the only place either. If you, if you took the gospel of Luke and then look and read through acts and you started looking at all of the things the disciples do. Yeah. And you, miracles and you, and different things. Yeah. And you compare it to the things that Jesus did in Luke. It's striking and what jumps out is when Jesus looked at the disciples and said, greater, you think what I'm doing is remarkable, greater things than these you're going to do. And it's not, but 
a little bit later on in the story that you see the disciples essentially continuing on the mission of Jesus and you're seeing all of the same kinds of things. Uh, as you look through the passage, you see a lot of like, uh, like community fellowship happening. Uh, it says like, you know, when we, inc- we, when we continued on our way, there were wives and children that accompanied us to the city. And then we were greeted by brothers and sisters and stayed with them for a day. And then the, we found these disciples and they said this to, you know, and it's just, just all this like community. And it's just, just, there's a lot of love in this passage. Yeah, it's really warm. Like yeah. he's talking about tearing himself away from people he loves so much. And he's saying, don't, don't break my heart. You know yeah. what I mean? That, like, I, I don't want to leave you. I don't want to, like, there's. And they're pleading with him. pleading, yeah. You know? Um, one thing that that is like a question mark, right? Like the thing that that I, as I read this, I'm like, what do we what do we do with this? Is um, the people keep saying it says by the Holy Spirit they they've been told that Jerusalem is going to be a bad place for Paul, like it's not going to go well, and it, you know it's it like says like they they pleaded with him through the Holy Spirit to not go, and yet earlier that the chapter before there's a little bit of context it actually says paul was compelled by the spirit to go to jerusalem so it feels like a tension where the spirit is telling paul go to jerusalem and the spirit is telling everybody else jerusalem's going to be bad and they interpret that at least to say we don't want him to go maybe it's a warning not to go there and so there feels like like a tension between what the spirit is saying to people yeah that is a confusing second half of verse 4 it says through the spirit they urged Paul not to go on to Jerusalem. Whenever I see the phrase through the spirit, my brain says, well, whatever they were saying must be right. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's so what it, it seems the most natural reading. Of right? It, right. So, so then it, it does get a little confusing. Well, how, how could they be right talking through the spirit to say, don't go to Jerusalem and Paul being compelled through the spirit to go to Jerusalem. Is the Holy Spirit changing his mind? Are they just confused? It's a it's a yeah. it's a tricky one to sort out. Like I I I think there is probably I don't know there might, there's probably some like human interpretation of those things. Like sometimes sometimes you get a sense of like okay I think this is what the Spirit is saying to me, and then you then you take it another step further to say the implication of that therefore must be, and that implication isn't always exactly the thing. You sometimes see that playing out in the course of life to say okay the Spirit told me this. But what are, what are the practical ramifications of it? Well, it might not be exactly what you predict. And so, um, clearly the Spirit wants to say to, to the people and to Paul, like, you should be prepared for suffering, but whether or not that necessarily has to be, please don't go. Right. Um, that's that's where the, the ambiguous part is. Hmm. That's interesting. Yeah. So, I'm reading not in the NIV study Bible notes, but in, in a different set of study notes where it essentially <laughs> walks through all of this. So, it's like, are they wrong? Like so are they hearing are they hearing the Holy Spirit tell them when Paul goes to Jerusalem it's going to be bad. And so they kind of add a little bit interpretation to that and say, "Oh, therefore the spirit is telling us to tell Paul not to go." Or another way to read it would be is Paul is Paul convinced that he wants to go to Jerusalem almost like in a stubbornness. And so, so Paul's wrong. Yeah, right. Like he's saying, so, no, I'm going to go anyway. Yes. So the spirit is trying to, through these other believers, convince Paul to not continue on to Jerusalem. But I can't imagine that's the right well, scenario. Especially when it says he was compelled by the Holy Spirit in right. the previous chapter. Right. You know what I mean? So it feels like <laughs> it, it's, very, it's very weird to, to square. Yeah. 
All right, what else do you see? Uh, another thing that I saw was we, we get into verse 27 when it talks about Paul being arrested and this warm tone, this very loving community of fellowship type of feel turns into a, like a very cold, uh, scary, full of dread type of thing, like where these people are kind of, they're bent on um, causing harm or uh, it, it, it just turns into a, a really nasty scene. It's a scary scene. He's being carried off. Like there's an uproar. It just shifts so quick. Yeah. The, well, there, it's it's similar to what happened with Jesus. You know that that like the, you know he, the he gets to Jerusalem and all the warmth that he was experiencing in different places suddenly it feels like a threat that he's there. Um, I I always find it helpful, especially because there's so much distance between us and them, to say what worked them up so much. And I think it's worth remembering. Like this doesn't make their position right, but it's worth remembering why they think this is such a big deal. In the Old Testament, right? Like we did, we just did First and Second Kings not so long ago. Um, the thing that was being told was don't defile all of these things that God set up, like the temple and you know the the food laws and mixing with Gentiles and all sorts of stuff that was really getting Israel in trouble. So much so that the temple was destroyed, Jerusalem was destroyed, they lost their land, and so they're in they're like in. You're occupied by Rome and they're thinking if more people stir up this stuff that looks like it's unfaithfulness, then we're going to get destroyed again. Like God's going to, you know, take it away. And so they're, they're protecting the temple by doing this. They think Jesus is doing that. Now they think Paul's doing that. They didn't get it, but that's what they're afraid of, you know? All right. Well, we're going to move on to the M, the first M in the comma method, which we always say is interchangeable. You can either do message first or meditation first. I think this is one of those texts today where there's so much in there, and Acts 21 is such a long chapter, that this is one of those days where if I'm doing my daily Bible reading, I might start with meditation and just say, Lord, there's a lot in here. And so I'm gonna ask your spirit, what do you, what do you want me to focus on? What do you, what do you wanna bury deep in my heart? And so uh, sometimes meditation comes before the message, which is where we try to just drill down on our takeaway for the day. And so today we're gonna do meditation first and it's gonna be 45 seconds and we're gonna keep it very broad today. Uh, we've just kind of, we've had this conversation, we've read the text, we've made some observations. And so now the question is, Lord, what do you have for me today? 45 seconds to prayerfully ask that question. Okay, so we've spent some time in prayerful thinking, and so we're going to move on to message, which is where we take our Bible reading and we try to kind of dial it into one or two sentences, our main takeaway for the day from the text. So what message can we take away today? Uh, my message would be, um, I'm, I'm drawing this out of all the we language and the fellowship and stuff, um, is that we need community. We need a community of believers around us. Um, 
I just think this is such a beautiful picture to me of just seeing uh, the ways that Paul has people that he can go to in love and in fellowship and independence, people that he knows he can share life with, that and that people love him enough and value him enough to also speak into his life too. And I know they were saying hard things to him, and sometimes in community and fellowship with each other, we have to say hard things to each other. Uh, but there's also just that beautiful that beauty of just doing life with each other, knowing that we're there for each other. My message is um, maybe there's two different ways to say it. Um, the will of God for your life might not always be easy or to flip, to flip it around to say, just because something's hard doesn't mean it's not God's will for your life. So I look at Paul who, who feels compelled to go to Jerusalem and he's got good reason to think that this is like, God's got a purpose in this. And yet it is also true when his friends say to him, this is going to be really hard. We think you probably shouldn't go because it's so hard that, it, that it's going to be bad for you. Their love from hearing that is one thing, but the truth of the matter is, no, sometimes we're called to do hard things. And so the, the, there's a notion that we have that if, it, if it's God's will, it's gonna go easy or it's gonna be smooth or it's all gonna work out really, really you know, tidy. But um, Paul's thinking, I, this, this could end for me. Like this could go really poorly or you know, the, the road to whatever's next is, is gonna be through some difficult stuff, but I'm still willing to do it um, because that's what God calls us to. And it's the path of Jesus. And, and you know, the way, the way the will of God works out is not always this nice, beautiful picture. It's sometimes messy. Yeah. And I think there's a subtle difference between being ready to die, which is what Paul says and wanting to die, right? It's not that Paul had some death wish. He's just saying, I'm ready yeah. to serve the Lord and whatever, whatever that means, I'm ready for it. Uh, so my message is uh, that it's good to go to the beach. <laughs> uh, okay. Verse five, and That's there what you I'm, said when we asked you the other time. Uh, right? No, I'm a beach guy. Oh, you like beaches? I love the I beach. I don't like beaches. There on the beach, they knelt to pray. No, that's not that's not really my message. Uh, although going to the beach to pray, it's pretty good, but it not the beach. Not the beach in downtown Chicago. That <laughs> that is not the beach. I know they call it a beach, but. It's not. That, that doesn't count in my head. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I'm not, I don't want to talk about going to the beach. I want to talk about going to Jerusalem. Mine is, mine is kind of in the category of what Clayton was talking about with, with a slightly different focus. Sometimes the will of the Lord, accomplishing the will of the Lord means that there's going to be pain, that there's going to be difficult things and you should not conclude that just because it's hard, that it's not God, right? That was Clayton's message. I want to add to it and say, don't, don't necessarily assume that when you are following the prompting of the spirit or you're in God's will and you're doing something that everybody's gonna line up to cheer you on and tell you you're going in the hmm. right direction. There are gonna be times where people just don't understand the choices you're making and will actually try to dissuade you from following the Lord because they don't know the full picture or they don't know what the spirit has spoken to you about the direction you're taking. And so... Uh, this is this is kind of a tricky one because there's a little bit of nuance here. I'm not saying ignore all of the other spirit-filled believers in your life that are that are talking to you, but sometimes it might be true that to follow the Lord means that not everybody's going to cheer you on. Yeah, I, I I think of situations where people have made career decisions and things like that, and their family look at it and say that doesn't seem responsible or it feels like it's riskier than you would probably want to do, and those sorts of things. And so that that yeah. 
definitely. Yeah, or or if you're if you're in high school or a young adult and you feel compelled by the Lord to go into a like a vocational ministry or social work or something where like you had this career path and you were excited about it and your parents were excited about it and it was going to be a an admirable career where you're going to make a lot of money and every, and and you and you shift because of the Lord's work in your life and now all of a sudden your family's going what the heck are you talking about yeah. Just, just don't. We just can't always assume that everyone's going to cheer us on. It's just this, not the this case. This might be getting us into application, but I have, a, I have a question about that. So you, you just said, don't ignore the other spirit-filled people in your life. How, how do you sort out the, between those two things? I feel like God's clearly told me something that might look foolish to people, and yet people who are wise and spirit-filled are trying to get my attention. Sometimes, like, there's a whole lot of people who really should listen to people around them. Yeah, we did just kind of waltz into application. So yeah. let's just <laughs> let's just do it slightly different today. Yeah. Instead, instead of us all sharing our personal applications, yeah. let's just have a conversation about application in this category. Yeah. When you feel like from your prayer life, the spirit of the living God has prompted you to do something, like you have a conviction. The spirit of God told me this, which can feel very subjective. Like how do how do you know? Prove to me that that was the Holy Spirit that told you that. How, how do you, the question Clayton is asking is, how do you negotiate if that is different than what some respectable Christ-following people are telling you that might be opposite, which was happening to Paul? Yeah. Uh, that, you asked me, yeah, and exactly. I'm throwing it kind of out, out on the table. Uh, He's like, I'm not going to answer wait, first. Wait, 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 wait. He just did this to me. I judoed. Like, yeah. I'll unjudo I'll, I'll un- I'll it. I, I think part of my answer is you better know. Um. I, I think there are times where I have felt like in my prayer time, God has very clearly spoken to me about something. And, uh, or there have been times where I've had a dream and I've woken up. Sometimes I have dreams I wake up and I'm just like, wow, that was a weird dream. Sometimes I've had dreams where I wake up and it's like God says, and this is why I had gave you that dream. Like a warning from the Lord or, okay, God does these things. And when it happens, you start immediately asking questions like, well, was that God? Was that me? My, my approach to that is always like a Mary approach where it's just like Mary, Mary was just marveling at what was going on around her and she pondered all these things in her heart. I think you have to hold these things and not run around and just declare them. God said this to me in a dream. Hold it. Because when the time comes for the application of that thing, I think you'll know. Like you get into that moment and then the, the same spirit of God, like, so for example, if I use like the dream example and I say, God spoke to me in a dream. When I woke up, God said this one sentence to me about why he gave me the dream. And I say, okay, well, Lord, when the time comes for that to be utilized, I trust the same spirit that gave me the dream is going to say now, like this is when it matters right now. So part of my answer is ponder in your heart and don't shout it from the rooftops. I also... I also wonder if there is something about <laughs> testing the type of thing you're feeling called to, right? So sometimes people can feel like really excited about an idea. And in some ways, it just sort of uh, fulfills certain ambitions or like dreams, you know, I would love to be this sort of thing. And it feels g- grandiose or something like that. Um, but there's something about what Paul's doing where he's saying, actually, what this looks like feels like the pattern of Jesus. Like what, like what I'm being called to as 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 foolish as it may seem to some people, is 
I'm, I'm conforming myself to the image of Christ. Like I'm, I, this path looks like the path Jesus took. Like they're, they're like, it's not necessarily true that when God calls you something big and it might be exciting and you can imagine a really cool future that that's wrong. But there's something when other people are saying, maybe this isn't a good idea, but, and yet it's because you're looking more like Jesus when you take that path. Something about that rings truer than the sort of like, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to make it big <laughs> kind of thing, you know? Yeah, I, I would certainly say that every time I feel like the Holy Spirit is, however, whatever terminology you want to use, prompting, the Lord speaking to you in your prayer life, you call it whatever you want. It is never something that my own sinful nature or flesh would say, <laughs> ever. Right. Which means it's normally not like the Spirit, the, the Holy Spirit shows in the room and says, go eat some candy. <laughs> <laughs> Or go cuss this person out. You see what I'm saying? Like, and so that is also a check. Like the spirit nature and your sinful nature are always in opposition. And so when, when the Lord speaks to you, it's, it's, it's always the kind of thing where you're like, I, I just know in my own flesh and my own sinful nature, that kind of stuff does not come out of me. Yeah. Yeah. So it must've come from somewhere else other than me. Yeah. For me, I think when I've witnessed that in my own life, it's always been something that um, I never would have thought of on my own, um, or it would have been, it, it's something that would have been very uncomfortable for me or challenging for me. And so, uh, not something that I can easily step in and be like, oh, I can do this. I got it. I got it. I can, I can handle it. Um, in my life, it's usually been something that's, it, it doesn't have to be big. It could be something rather small, but, um, it's, it's always been something that's popped into my mind that I normally wouldn't have thought of on my own. And if it's something that I can push away, I'll try to push it away. Like, ah, no, nah. Uh, it, just, it just keeps coming back. Either if it's just, it just keeps coming back in my mind. It keeps, you know, it, yeah, I've had, I've had the dream instances before as well. Not often, but I've had them. But also just in conversations with people. Um, it's just, it's like this just little, it's this thing that just won't go away. Um, but usually it's not something I come up with on my own. Uh, my last answer to this question is uh, humbly. Hmm. You, you navigate these things humbly. It, even in Acts chapter 21, I believe that the Holy Spirit was speaking to all these disciples, probably saying something to them in the category of when Paul goes to Jerusalem, it's not going to be good. So they hear that message from the Spirit and Sure, they probably misinterpret it a little bit. Like they're like one variation off because they kind of walk away going, well, we should, then we should tell Paul not to go to Jerusalem. The Holy Spirit is probably at the same time telling Paul the same thing. You are going to Jerusalem and you're not going to be celebrated. It's going to go bad. And I think that is all true at the same time. And they're doing their very best to navigate a life in the spirit and share with one another and encourage one another and caution one another, but it's never perfect. Mm -hmm. And so you just have to handle all these things very humbly. Yeah. And there's, there's, there, there's also, they're not questioning things that are the hardline Bible things, right? Like they're not saying, you know what? Uh, I I really think that we should, you know, overturn adultery. Like that's okay now. Right. (laughs) Like, like there's, there's something about like when he goes to a city and he meets with the the Bereans, you know, we talked about them uh, at some point earlier, like they go to the scripture and say, is what Paul's saying makes sense with the scripture. Like there's a difference between the person saying, I think this is what the spirit's saying. And here's what the text of the Bible says. Like there's a, there's a different level of clarity and authority when it comes to those things. 
Wow, this might be the longest conversation we've ever had in the application Application. section of the comma method, but I think it was pretty good. It was good. All right, guys, that's all that we have for you this week. Thanks for joining us. Join us next Monday for a new episode. We'll look at another passage from the Bible Savvy reading schedule. In the meantime, if you're not following along with the reading plan, you can check out BibleSavvy.com to download it and start reading along. Also, you can subscribe and leave a review on whatever platform you're listening on. Email us your questions or suggestions at podcast at BibleSavvy.com. Lastly, tell your friends, and we'll talk to you next week. <laughs>